Welcome to Lifelines Radio, a production of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and JMJ Radio. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Federation. With me today is Micaiah Bilger, a staff writer for LifeNews.com and the Federation's former Education Director. Welcome, Micaiah. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be back. It's so wonderful to hear your voice, Micaiah. Thank you for coming on the show. Happy to. I wanted to know, how did you come to hold your pro-life views? Sure. Um, Well, there's a couple of different stories I could tell, um, really. I mean, it goes back to my parents um, bringing me up um, pro-life. My dad was a pastor, and, um, you know, um, he preached about uh, abortion from um, the pulpit, and we supported the pregnancy center in our area. But I think the real big moment um, for me when I really wanted to become very more actively involved in pro-life was uh, right out of college when um, I got a job at a local newspaper um, writing as a, as a reporter, and some, um, the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation had a, a chapter there um, of volunteers who'd put on um, events in the community, and I would sometimes cover um, you know, their, their events. Um, and I just, they made such an impact on me when I started, you know, um, going to their rallies and, and writing about them for the newspaper, um, just seeing, um, the passion of one of the older gentlemen who ran that chapter. Um, I remember watching him come out sometimes even in a wheelchair, even though he was like sick and older and everything, he was just so passionate about um, saving the unborn. And also hearing uh, local women who'd had abortions share their testimonies about just how much they regretted um, ending their babies' lives. um, Just all of those things together really um, got me thinking more about my pro-life beliefs and um, really made me want to do more um, as a young adult to build a culture of life. That's tremendous. Now, what was your first experience with the March for Life like? Sure, that was, um, I can still um, picture my first March for Life, and I was about probably five or six years old, and um, our church took a bus to the March for Life, and um, so we went down to D.C. It was my, my parents and my little sister and I and, and some people from church. And I just remember um, getting off the subway and walking into the city and seeing all of these people. And I was a little girl, and I, I didn't know all the intricacies of abortion and the whole debate, but I knew that the people were there for something really important, and that was helping moms and babies. And I remember my dad lifting me up on his shoulders so I could see the crowd better, and I can just see that in my mind as a little girl, just how many um, hundreds of thousands of people were there um, on the lawn of the mall um, just standing and marching, um, being there because they believed that unborn babies deserve a right to life. That's awesome. Now, for those who are not familiar with it, what is LifeNews.com? Sure. Um, I've been working here, um, trying to think, I think it's been about four or five years now. 
um, after um, the Federation. And LifeNews.com is a, um, a pro-life news um, website, and we publish um, articles um, uh, five days a week. Um, we have a newsletter, um, and we're active on social media um, and other areas, too, um, just to really help people um, understand what's going on um, from a pro-life perspective. Uh, I'm sure everyone who's listening knows that the mainstream media has become more and more biased um, in recent years. Um, it's it's getting pretty bad to the point where um, even news sites that I used to, you know, res- have a great deal of respect for have almost become like press releases for the abortion industry. Um, their articles are just so biased. So Life News exists to um, present the facts, um, to tell people what's going on, um, um, and from the perspective of, you know, that all lives are valuable. So we cover a lot of um, abortion um, topics. We also um, have stories about euthanasia and assisted suicide, um, embryonic stem cell research, and um, and other issues that affect life. Um, so we have um, dozens of articles up every week. I encourage people to check out lifenews.com. What is the reach like of lifenews.com? Are you able to inform people around the world about pro-life issues? Yes, and I was surprised when I first um, got to know lifenews.com um, through the Federation um, and then now working for um, Life News, just how big of a reach um, it has. We reach about three-quarters of a million people every week um, through um, you know, our website and our newsletter and social media. And there are people all around the world. Um, while we primarily focus on the United States, um, we do do reporting about countries all around the world. Um, and a lot of English-speaking um, countries, England, Ireland, um, Australia, we have readers from, from um, all of those places. And so we are covering what's going on in the world. Um, there are a lot of countries that are still pro-life that protect unborn babies um, from the moment of conception in um, um, South America and in Africa. Um, there's a big push on those countries um, from the U.S. and um, Europe to legalize abortion, but it's, it's good to see some of these countries really standing strong um, for life despite the, the pressure that they're getting. So um, this really is a global site um, for the rights of the unborn, and, and it's really been neat to learn more about that and to see um, how people uh, all across the world are coming together in this fight to protect babies in the womb. The eyes of this nation are turned to the U.S. Supreme Court because of an upcoming vacancy there. Why is the composition of the court so important for the life issues? Sure. Um, really, Roe versus Wade, um, we just um, uh, marked the anniversary, the 49th anniversary of Roe versus Wade. Um, and for people who don't really understand what that did, um, Roe versus Wade basically forced our whole country, every single state, to legalize abortion on demand. And um, it's made it extremely hard 
for states to pass any protections for unborn babies in the past 50 years. Um, states are supposed to have um, the sovereignty and the, the right to uh, make laws on these issues, but Roe versus Wade really um, stopped states from doing that. So one of the, not the only issue that the pro-life movement has been focused on, but one of the things we, we've been focused on is trying to get a, a Supreme Court um, with justices who will recognize just how bad Roe versus Wade was as a decision and uh, overturn that ruling and at the very least allow states to protect unborn babies again and at the very at the most which is you know our ultimate hope that they would recognize unborn babies right to life again so um, I know there's a vacancy um, coming up on the court um, that Biden likely will fill um, but there is a conservative majority on the court right now. So there's um, hope that the court will um, overturn Roe or at least modify Roe um, so that states can pass more protections for the unborn. Why is the Dobbs Supreme Court case so important? Uh, the Dobbs case, for those who aren't familiar, is a case out of Mississippi. Um, Mississippi passed a law, um, I think it was back in um, 2020, um, to ban abortions after 15 weeks. Um, and that is the law at the center of the case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. Um, the Supreme Court heard that case in December, and they have not issued a ruling yet, but many believe that this case is directly challenging Roe versus Wade. Uh, right now, states cannot ban abortions before viability. Um, that's under Roe and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is another decision that the court made after that. Um, so states are very limited, and Mississippi decided to try 15 weeks, which is kind of an arbitrary um, line as far as protecting the unborn. But their reasoning is that most countries around the world at least ban abortions after the first trimester, which is about 15 weeks. And um, at the very least, states should be allowed to um, do what most of the rest of the world does and protect unborn babies at least at this point. Um, the other um, thing is that um, later term abortions are dangerous for women as well as their unborn babies. Um, you know, every abortion is dangerous and um, life destroying, but especially later in a pregnancy, it, it can threaten the mother's life as well. So Mississippi brought this before the Supreme Court and said, basically, we'd really like to be able to protect unborn babies from the moment of conception. But if you're not willing to give us that, at least let states do um, ban abortion after 15 weeks for these reasons. So, um, as I said, the Supreme Court has a conservative majority right now, um, thanks in part to President Donald Trump and others um, who've appointed conservative justices. Um, there's no way of knowing for sure what the Supreme Court will do, but I listened to the, the oral arguments myself, and um, I've been listening to many other people's reactions to what the justices were saying and the questions that they had when they heard that case. And it is hopeful 
there um, does seem to be hope that they will um, uh, agree with Mississippi and allow the state to protect unborn babies. So we just have to keep hoping and praying that the justices will do the right thing. And it looks like they probably will issue a decision probably sometime in June. So that's probably when we'll find out their decision on the Dobbs case. Thank you for that thorough explanation. I think a lot of people are greatly interested in that. And what can people find at LifeNews.com that they might not find at another news outlet? Sure. Well, we're um, really focused on, um, you know, the abortion issue and and, um, uh, explaining just what's happening um, with uh, you know, state legislation, federal legislation, um, abortion numbers. We're reporting on um, women who are injured and killed in botched abortions. You almost never see that in um, the mainstream news. Um, abortions hurt whole families, and we focus on that as well. And we're telling good stories, too, stories about moms who choose life for their babies, um, moms in and dads in difficult circumstances sometimes who are being pressured. Um, there's a lot of pressure on uh, moms especially to have abortions um, if they're in college, if they're a teenager, or if their baby is diagnosed with Down syndrome or something like that. There's so much pressure on them um, to have an abortion, and um, many of them choose life. And so we're really celebrating and highlighting their stories and the values, uh, you know, the value of their children, um, born and unborn. So um, there's a big mixture of what we're reporting on and um, just a lot going on in our our country and our world. As a staff writer for LifeNews.com, what have you learned over the years about Planned Parenthood? The more that I learn, the more troubled and disturbed I am uh, by Planned Parenthood. Um, it is the largest abortion chain in our country, and it actually has an international arm, so they're doing abortion work all across the world. And we Americans are, um, are giving hundreds of millions of tax dollars every year to Planned Parenthood. Um, it's extremely disturbing, and um, we are at Life News reporting about some of the things um, uh, we report about Planned Parenthood quite a lot, um, and some of the things that um, they've been accused of, um, like selling aborted baby body parts, um, they've been accused of covering up um, sexual abuse of young girls and sex trafficking. Right now, they're actually opposing a bill in Indiana that would uh, protect women and girls from coerced abortions. You would think that anyone who claims to be pro-choice, as Planned Parenthood does, would, would support legislation that would protect a choice, um, but they're actually opposing legislation um, in Indiana that would say you know, women cannot be coerced into an abortion, and we need to protect them from this because it does happen. They're lobbying against that. Um, Planned Parenthood is just, it's an evil organization, um, and it's 
um, it just, the more I learn, the more disturbed I am by it. And they've, um, deceived a lot of women, um, a lot of girls and, um, a lot of politicians into supporting, um, their pro-abortion, uh, business. That's really what it is. Um, making money, um, and gaining power off of the deaths of innocent children. There's been a rise in chemical abortions in Pennsylvania. Do you see hope in the abortion pill reversal protocol? I do. Um, I think, now, I wrote about this a few weeks ago, and Heartbeat International, which runs the hotline for the abortion pill reversal, I think celebrated 3,000 babies whose lives have been saved through this. Um, it's just amazing to see and to see some of the pictures of these babies who have um, who've survived abortions because their moms um, immediately regretted it and found the abortion pill reversal hotline, got in touch with the doctor who could do this treatment, and now their babies are alive today as a result. It's just, it's just awesome to see. Um, and it's awesome to see, too, because the abortion industry really is pushing chemical abortions, and those numbers are growing. There are more chemical abortions um, as opposed to surgical abortions than there used to be. Um, so it's it's awesome to see that there's hope and that this is a real um, a real possibility for moms. Um, oftentimes, um, that women go in scared and they're just unsure what to do, and they take that first abortion pill, and then they realize, oh, no, what have I done? You know, I'm ending my child's life. Is there something I can do um, to, you know, to stop this? And there is. That's the good news. (laughs) There's hope. Um, So this abortion pill reversal um, treatment is fairly new, but it's safe. There have been studies done showing that um, it's safe for the mom it's safe for the baby, and it's effective, and thousands of babies' lives are being saved. So um, so it's encouraging to see, and it's just it just gives me hope. Gives me hope as well. Can you talk about some of the favorite stories you've covered as a pro-life journalist? That's a good question. Um, there are a lot of, of um, stories I really enjoyed covering. Um, one that I did probably a year or two ago was I got to interview um, uh, former Vice President Mike Pence's daughter, um, Charlotte, and she's just a really neat young woman um, and very involved in um, the pro-life movement. And it's just neat to see that um, a politician um, like um, Vice President Pence um, isn't just um, just speaking, you know, kind of platitudes, whatever he really believes and his family believes um, so strongly in upholding the value of life, so much so that you know, he's instilled these values in his children, and now they're young adults and they're working to, um, to end abortion and protect the unborn as well. So that was a really neat um, interview that I got to do. Um, another one that I really enjoyed was um, there's a baby photographer um, who's doing some really creative um, uh, uh, photography um, art with with babies with special needs. So she's um, very pro-life, and 
she um, takes these babies and creates these little, like, um, imaginative scenes around them. Um, like, uh, like maybe they, it looks like they're in a hot air balloon or it looks like they're in a snow globe or something. And it's just, um, babies who, um, yeah, have disabilities. And she really just wants to highlight their stories and help, um, people see that their lives are valuable too, even though they may not have the same abilities that we do, even though they may be sick, they're, they're beautiful creatures, um, valuable um, and so it just was really neat getting to talk to her and, um, hear her passion and, um, see just her creativity in the way that she's, um, promoting life and helping people, um, helping our culture see the value of every human life. So, yeah, I, I get to do a lot of interview, a lot of really neat people. Uh, the pro-life movement is so full of um, just beautiful people, passionate people who are just so kind and so caring um, and just really dedicating their whole lives to um, um, this cause. That's wonderful. You're listening to Lifelines Radio, recorded by JMJ Radio. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. With us today is Micaiah Bilger of LifeNews.com. Micaiah, do you see young people embracing the pro-life cause? I do. Um, yeah, that that's another encouraging thing to see. Um, the pro-life movement is full of young people who are just passionate about um, protecting the unborn. Um, I just uh, recently wrote a story earlier this week about a young woman uh, in Indiana who um, is a freshman in her high school and wanted to start a pro-life club um, in her high school to um, encourage uh uh, helping moms and babies, like doing diaper drives, um, going to the March for Life, and just, um, you know, promoting life in her high school. Um, she um, works through Students for Life to um, start this club, and she actually um, struggled. Um, she got resistance from um, her school administrators. Um, she actually ended up filing a lawsuit with the help of, of Students for Life to be able to get her pro-life club started. And she said there were, I think, 38 students who, along with her, wanted to join the club. Um, from what I remember from the, um, from the lawsuit, and she finally won a victory, and she's able to start her pro-life club now. And um, so it's, it's, um, there's a lot of resistance um, to young, that young people are up against, but there's also a lot of passion, like this young woman who refused to give up. She could have just kind of give up, given up and said, this is too hard. I'm not going to do this. Um, I'm only a high school freshman, but she um, took action, and now she's starting a pro-life club in her high school and um, with dozens of other students. And that's just one example. Um, there's so many young people who um, have that same passion. Um, we've had a couple interns at um, LifeNews.com, and it's been wonderful to work with them. And um, they come from really all different backgrounds, too. Um, and just that no matter what their background is, they're just, you know, really passionate about um, about promoting the right to life. And so that's just encouraging to me to see the next generation um, uh, taking up the cause and um, uh, fighting back against the pro-abortion culture um, because 
it really is um, the the it's becoming increasingly not just pro-choice, which is again not a, a, a not. I don't really like that term, pro-choice, um, but it, it increasingly the, the message is pro-abortion. And um, so we're seeing just so many young people push back against that and say, no, we need to be a culture of life, a culture that celebrates life and protects every human life. What kind of impact do you think 40 Days for Life has had on the pro-life movement? Mm-hmm. Well, for those who don't know, 40 Days for Life is held every Spring and every fall, um, 40 days where people gather for peaceful prayer vigils uh, outside of abortion facilities in their areas. And this has started in Texas and expanded across the world. There are now hundreds of uh, 40 Days for Life um, campaigns in towns and cities all across the world every year. And they've saved I think tens of thousands helped save tens of thousands of babies from abortion. And they've helped um, abortion clinic workers quit. Um, Abby Johnson, uh, who's uh, probably the most widely known one, um, quit because of early 40 Days for Life effort. Um, and I think there have been hundreds of others who've um, followed her and, and quit their jobs in the abortion industry. So it's amazing to see how just Standing outside of an abortion facility and just praying, um, just reaching out with love and just say, to, to mothers and fathers and saying, we care about you, we want to help you, we want to help your child. Um, sometimes that's just all a, a mom needs to hear um, and she'll just, you know, to choose life. And it's um, wonderful to hear the stories of moms turning around um, from their appointments of dads who um, the uh, pro-lifers are encouraging to step up and say, you know, you know, be a dad, be the, be the father, be the man, and um, go in there and say um, to your, your wife or girlfriend that, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to, um, we can raise our baby and I'll be there for you. And um, how many dads do that? And how many babies are saved because of that? It's just, it's it's really neat to see. And uh, we um, publish a lot of these stories um, from uh, people at Forty Days for Life. Um, their their day to day stories of what they're seeing um, at LifeNews.com. So um, during those campaigns, we have regular updates um, at Life News from Forty Days for Life about babies being saved and um, uh, abortion facilities closing and abortion workers leaving their jobs. So it's just, it's, it's neat to read their stories, those firsthand accounts and see how pro-lifers are making a difference in their local communities just by, just by praying, just by reaching out in love and compassion to these, these moms and dads and their babies. You've been listening to Lifelines Radio, a production of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. Thank you for joining us. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.